Welcome to the Xterra Podcast. I'm Tom Patton. The Xterra mission is to explore and discuss the business of space and its effect on the national and global economy as well as life on Earth. How does what happens in space affect your life every day? That's what we're exploring on the Xterra website as well as on this podcast. guest on today's program is Christopher Stott, a founder of the Institute of Space Commerce and founder, chairman, and former CEO of Manset. Chris, thanks for appearing on the program today. Oh, well, Tom, thank you for having me. And uh, everyone who listens in on Xterra, thank you for doing this. It's, it's a great service. Happy to do it. Let's start out and talk a little bit about the Institute of Space Commerce. What does it do? Oh, well, thank you. Uh, and so I'll go with the Institute of Space Commerce. Well, it's the study of commerce in space. But especially as, you know, there's people who study space policy, others who study space law, amazing institutes. Uh, and we looked at this in the last 50 years and said, oh my goodness, the space economy is growing. It's a vital, and not just vital as in vibrant, but vital as a necessary part of the global economy. And someone should be studying this, looking at case studies, looking at examples. What can we learn? What knowledge can we pass on? What knowledge can be shared? Uh, and that's what we've tried to do from a range of topics from satellite communications to remote sensing, human spaceflight, space tourism, public provision of private science. I mean, mega funds, SPACs, you name it. There is open source free papers uh, from some amazing industry experts and senior fellows there. So tell me what a SPAC is. Uh, excellent question. Very topical at the moment, Tom. A SPAC is a special purpose acquisition company. It's a way for a, uh, a startup company or a company that's somewhat mature in the industry to take a leap in financing. It allows them to go straight into this IPO situation with investors coming in. And it's and that's access to capital faster than the traditional methods of, you know, your series B, C, D rounds, debt mm -hmm. equity rounds before an IPO. And it's revolutionizing uh, space finance at the moment. I think was it Virgin was one of the first to do this, mm -hmm. uh, Virgin Galactic, back in uh, October 19, 2019. Mm -hmm. And every day, I mean, today is what, Tuesday today? Mm -hmm. I haven't checked. I know yesterday, Monday, two SPACs were announced for Rocket Lab and Spire and more last week, and I'm sure more this week. It's, it's turning into a fast track to get to space and space capital for space companies. Let's go back to the ISC for a moment. When and how did that get started? Oh, goodness. Yeah, we started the ISC. Well, the first one was the International Institute of Space Commerce. Mm -hmm. This is when, uh, this was early in the, in the 2000s. We were up, up and operational in 2007, mm -hmm. which seems like yesterday to me. And that's back on the Isle of Man, uh, working with the International Space University, the Isle of Man government. Uh, it was actually a competition. We were, we were up against Los Angeles, Paris, London. But because of the continuing still to this day, intense focus of space commerce on the Isle of Man. The island was chosen its location. The, the government helped support. It was very, very avant-garde, very forward-thinking of them. Mm -hmm. And we set up there as a not-for-profit company. And then recently in 2017, 10 years later, we set up the Institute of Space Commerce here at home in America too. Both are affiliated, right. uh, separate boards and all that kind of good stuff, but with a common mission of promoting space commerce and the study of space commerce. Why was the Isle of Man so such a good candidate for that? Oh, no, well, yeah, it's, oh, it's a fantastic place for space business. 
Hmm. There's lots of... There's you lots you of wouldn't think that. <laughs> well, no, exactly, right? And so it's one of those things, it's, uh, it's, it's less of a digital decision. It's not you choose one place over another. It's more mm. like a menu or a, 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 a list of ingredients for your company. When you're growing around the world, you want to pick the right kinds of jurisdictions to domicile in, to grow your business. And you can, you can mix and blend them. But the art of man has a fantastic place for space because it has all of the enabling legislation. Mm. You can get spectrum... You can get your launch and operations licenses. You've got a government that pays attention. It's, it's a very high profile industry on the island. And it allows you as a company to come in and be positioned in a NATO country, G7, have access to international markets, be well regulated. Mm -hmm. And there are various taxation advantages. But really, it was because we were building off this incredible heritage in shipping and aviation, finance, banking, e-gaming, e-commerce. Mm. Uh, the island is one of the first in the world to do Bitcoin and crypto. It's a very avant-garde economy and a very forward-thinking government, which actively looks to support good ventures that support the local economy, great employment, great PR. Mm -hmm. it's, it's become a unique selling point for the Isle of Man and a lot of different industries, the fact that we have a space industry. Right. And as we speak, there are parts made on the Isle of Man roaming around Mars, literally. Uh, <laughs> yep getting ready to launch out in Boca Chica in Texas and up on the International Space Station. Aside from the fact that Manx registered satellites provide access to broadband for several billion people around the world. So it's, take, me, it's, it's, it's great. take me through your process. How do you go about educating people about space commerce? No, absolutely. Why? Because it's very topical at the moment, mm -hmm. which is great. I mean, I, I, we talk to people just like Xterra, just like the Journal of Space Commerce. And the work you're doing is tremendous. And thank you, Mr. C. <laughs> Because it is an education. When people think mm -hmm. space, they think NASA, quite rightly. Right. Right. NASA's the greatest brand the American government has arguably ever had. Mm -hmm. Right. When you see people in villages in Africa with NASA T-shirts on <laughs> or walking around, you know, walking around Hong Kong and Singapore with NASA T-shirts. Yeah. Right. It's fantastic. Right. And so space has been around since, you know, before 1957, but with Sputnik and everything else coming mm -hmm. on. And people think it's government. Right. But space commerce has been around since day one as well. And, and that's, that's that thing that people don't always know it's there. And it's growing mm -hmm. and growing and growing. It's getting a lot more visibility. It's, this is probably the greatest influx of young people into the space industry since the Apollo program. Right. And so why do we push space commerce? A, you want the people in the industry to be better educated, to know that there are case studies and touchstones. They can learn from those who went before them. Mm -hmm. And those coming into the industry, learn. Don't repeat our mistakes. Make your own mistakes. <laughs> then we'll write about them and, and tell other people not to make them. Right. right? But the idea being that, you know, we also want to recruit people into this industry. I mean, this is the hardest thing humanity's ever done. It mm. is the sum total of so many different professions, from engineering to science to business to law to media to medicine to you name it, right? Right. So we, and it's, it's hard enough as it is. And we need to bring in really good minds. And by promoting space commerce, by promoting the fact that you can have a job and a career, that you can contribute to society. Because, and this is why, Tom, it's so important. Mm -hmm. The best way I ever heard this put over was a gentleman called Sunni Abrahamson, from, he was Intelsat and Hughes, and he came to teach right. us at ISU, International Space University. And he said it the best way. He said, look, never forget 100% of the money spent in space isn't. It's spent yeah. down here mm -hmm. in the economy. So when people say, oh, why are you spending all this money to go to the moon? It's like, well, we're not really. 
what we're doing is pumping a huge amount of money into our economies. And that's where it went. It started with contractors with NASA mm -hmm. pumping into the economies. And today with space commerce, it's the other way around. Places like the Isle of Man, space is cash flow positive for the government. Right. Uh, you know, the, the taxpayer makes money out of space, which is how it should be. It's starting to happen over here too. It's fantastic. And the, number, the number of jobs that it creates has got to be astronomical, if you'll pardon that pun. Well, exactly. <laughs> and it's growing and growing and growing. Right, you've got the established companies, the established agencies, all of these startups, suppliers. It is like exponential growth in employment and exponential growth in economic activity, which in turn spurs more and more and more. And every day in our digital economy, we use space more and more and more. And it's become ubiquitous. And sometimes people don't even know mm -hmm. they're using space. It's so easy to use these days. You know, Elon Musk famously said that space is hard, but mm. I'm hearing you say that it's hard. There's more difficulty than just getting something up into space. There's a lot that goes into that that also presents a lot of challenges. Oh, my gosh, yes. And that's why it's good to study space <clears throat> commerce. Mm -hmm. Basically, the study of not just the economics of space, but business of space. I mean, it's hard enough to build a rocket. It's hard right. enough to build a satellite. Now put the two of them together and I go build a business. Right. right. What else do you need to think of? You know, regulatory, licensing, sales, marketing, customers, uh, front end, back ends on software. You've got to think about how to finance this. You know, we just talked about SPACs. Mm -hmm. Right. You've got to think about how do I finance this? Cost of capital going into space is extraordinary. Still, it's not right. easy. Better than it was. Coming down. Yes. Coming down right? and really opening things up. But still, the time of capital, if you're a traditional startup company involved in the software, there's a certain time of, of returns and expectations, different investors, series A, B, C, etc. Right. Space is longer. The regulatory side takes longer. The capital costs are, are higher. And getting to space takes a little bit longer. That affects you. But then again, once you're there, your market is global. Right. You know, and it's amazing. So it's that putting together a business, whether you're a subcontractor supplying a, a widget or a part of a satellite or you're taking knowledge down from space. This is, that's a whole new area, right. which is, well, I say relatively new, but my goodness, if I, if I, if I was a young man, <laughs> <not really. laughs> right? but if, if I was to go back and I'd look at that and I'd say data, how do you utilize all that data? How do you use space to protect data mm -hmm. and save it and look after it and store it, critical storage and everything else, all the way down to how do I, all these wonderful companies are building so many satellites in remote sensing. Mm -hmm all that data is coming down. And then you've got the customers and you've got the data. Now, how do you ensure this, this, this link in the middle? It's amazing. So many opportunities, you add big data, you add exponential tech and computing and wow. I mean, wow, it's, it's talk about the right time to be around in space. You mentioned a few moments ago, the uh, International Space University. What's your connection with the ISU? Oh no, I was very fortunate. Uh, mm -hmm. to go to the International Space University. It was founded uh, by, by Peter Diamandis mm -hmm. and Todd Hawley and a guy called Bob Richards. And they, working with Harvard and MIT for the first sessions and NASA and others, basically, it is postgraduate education uh, for the space community. It's been going for over 30 years. Right. Uh, it's an American 501c3. It's headquartered in Strasbourg, France, with a campus there. Mm -hmm. They have a number of different programs from a master's program all the way through to a Southern Hemisphere uh, Space Studies program and a Northern Hemisphere Space Studies program, normally done in the summers of both to executive training programs. Right. Uh, it's an incredible place because of the network, because of the people, 
Mm-hmm. And spe- going to ISU didn't just educate me. I did the master's program in 1995. Uh, it didn't just educate me. It opened doors to an incredible breadth of opportunity. Right. Some of the best friends I've ever made. I met my wife through ISU. Uh, I got my first job through ISU. I sat on the board for 15 years, executive committee for 10. I'm on the board of advisors now. Mm-hmm. And let's just say it's attending ISU. It's a very inclusive community, not mm-hmm. exclusive, right? Right. This is it. They, 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 this is like, come on in. This is amazing. It's the first time I ever found my tribe. If that makes sense, right? You grow up and you're yeah. going through various schools and colleges and everything else, and you love space. And, oh, who else loves space? And you can talk to people and they look at you funny. What do you mean you like space? You know, what do you mean like Star Trek? And I'm like, no, I love Star Trek, but, but. I'm talking about the space industry, right? I'm like the actual space. And they look at you funny, like, what are you talking about? You get to ISU, everyone there is like you. They love space. Mm-hmm. And they're coming from all these different cultures and countries and backgrounds and professional backgrounds. And you're, it's just this huge watering hole in space. And it's amazing. And I would highly, highly, highly recommend anyone to go. Mm-hmm. To go there for your either your masters or the summer programs, the space studies programs, northern southern hemispheres, the executive courses. Everyone at Mansat goes. One of my, my company at Mansat. Everyone goes. It is key, and it's the education and the network. Tom, I mean, I could talk for a long time. First chancellor yeah. Arthur C. Clarke, Buzz Aldrin just stepped down as chancellor. Mm-hmm. We've had astronauts obviously teach there, but astronauts go to ISU after they've been in space. Mm. Right. I mean, yeah. it's incredible. It's, it's an amazing education, especially when you're thinking about this, because when you're being an entrepreneur in space, mm-hmm. you need all of the skill set you have. Right. I mean, yes, you learn on the job, but really being an entrepreneur, you're basically burning through all of your past experience to try and make something happen. And you go somewhere like ISU and it gives you the connections to everyone you need to know in the industry to pull this off. And I don't say that lightly. I, I'd highly recommend it. Going back to the Institute of Space Commerce, your motto is free markets, free minds, free space. What do you mean by that? Absolutely. Oh, well, free markets. You know, the idea that space should be a free market. There shouldn't be any special tariffs or any regulatory blocks. Now, safe, proper regulation for spectrum and launching operations like mm-hmm. oh, of course. But what I'm talking about is trade tariffs. I mean, the idea that once you're in space, you should be free to conduct your business. Free markets. Right. The sort of, you know, globalization writ large in a good way. Right. Thomas Friedman's right. Flat Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always think that's so funny. Thomas Friedman talks about the flat earth and we're talking about free markets in space. Right. It's the same type of an approach. Right. It should be free to anyone to go do what they need to do in space. Free markets and free minds. You know, I'm, I'm one of the reasons I became an American citizen is um, apart from marrying my best friend, who's an American, <laughs> um, is uh, that was that was Nicole. Um, yeah, but people like Jefferson and Washington and mm-hmm. Franklin, you know, and Payne, you know, they, they have a kind of a wee bit of an influence on the human society. And yeah. they're amazing. The idea being that, yeah, freedom of freedom of mind, freedom of thought, you know, free markets, mm-hmm. free minds and free space. The idea being that we should be up there. We should be everything we do in space. Everything we do benefits life down here on Earth. And I think that's a message that's coming back around. Mm-hmm. People are understanding it more. I mean, the study of the environment from space, the impact that we can we can do on carbon sequestration or measurement, sustainable development, uh, fisheries, oh my gosh, energy from space, biomedical tech, everything else up on the, in, in low Earth orbit with the space station, Axiom and those amazing guys. I mean, there's lots of really cool things. But at the end of the day, everything we do up there 
is to benefit life down here. And that's free markets, free minds, free space. You're listening to the Xterra podcast. I'm Tom Patton, and I'm talking to Christopher Stutt, a founder of the Institute of Space Commerce and founder, chairman, and former CEO of Mansat. So do you publish and are you on social media? We do indeed. No, well, you'll find us on LinkedIn and Facebook. We're expanding right. out to Quora and Reddit. And, and please, suggestions, mm-hmm. very well. www.change.space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why change.space? Because you asked about publications. Yes, at the Institute of Space Commerce and the International Institute, tons of free papers, mm-hmm. open source, right? Please, free markets, free minds, mm-hmm. free space. Go have a look, iisc.im and change.space. But... Yes, we publish, but that change.space, mm-hmm. that in itself speaks to our publications because we were founded based on the, in large part, on the writings of a couple of different individuals who okay. wrote about the economics of space. And we're getting ready to republish one of the seminal works of space economics. And our patron emeritus, and he is sorely missed, and may he rest in peace, I mean, an amazing man, Dr. Jerry Pornell. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only an incredible speculative fiction and sci-fi author, an amazing advisor to the U.S. government on various space missions and space programs, but also he wrote the seminal work on space economics, 1979. It was a step farther out. Right. And it's an incredible work. It's available on Kindle now. You can still occasionally get a, a hard copy around, but they're, I think they're running at about $1,000 a copy at the moment. And it was amazing, an incredible piece of work because he, he talked about the idea of this equation. And back at the same time, the Club of Rome were coming out, working with MIT, amazing people. As you get the Club of Rome, an incredibly august, highly intelligent group of people around the world working with MIT on the first computer programs. And they were saying, look, humanity's got a problem. You know, we're, you know in so many years, we're gonna either overpopulate the world, we're gonna starve ourselves, we're gonna be pollute ourselves, we're, mm. we're gone. Right. And in the middle of all of this, Dr. Pornell, who was a space guy, but mm-hmm. also had a PhD in computer science, said, hang on a minute. I think you've missed something. And himself and a bunch of others said, you know, yeah, you, you haven't really talked about space mm-hmm. and what space can bring in high technology, energy, access to resources, societal change. And he started writing a series of essays on this with others. Mm-hmm. And they're collected in a step farther out. And then our current patron, also an amazing deep thinker. Mm-hmm. incredibly influential author himself, Larry Niven. Right. Larry wrote the forward. Now, the forward to A Step Farther Out is quoted sometimes verbatim by a gentleman called Jeff Bezos, mm. who many people know as may the founder have heard of, of, him. of Amazon, right? And we think of him as the founder of Blue Origin, right. incredible space company. <laughs> right. Amazon thing. I mean, Blue Origin, was right, right? And so he quotes from Larry right at the front, right mm-hmm. at the very beginning. And this idea that you, you'd lift... The fact that we live in a society where we willingly and knowingly pollute into our own life support system, mm-hmm. right? The fact that we do all of this is barbaric. Right. Uh, and, it, and that's what Larry talks about. He says we should make the, you know, lift all the heavy industry off the planet, use the energy and resources of space, and make Earth another Eden. Pretty good goal to have. Right. And then Jerry, following on with the others, he's, he's first writing about Stephen Hawking and all sorts of great stuff. And Jerry was there saying, you know, I think those computer models are wrong. And so what we did was we went back and before he passed, uh, working with Dr. Pornell, we went back and we looked at the data and his graphs and charts and and his postulated curves Mm -hmm. for the last 40 years actually 
work. He's, he, he tracked right on the, I mean, it's amazing. And we did that with Northern Sky Research, with the preeminent market research group in the space industry. We did all of that. And um, so we're getting ready to be published. Jerry, before he passed, looked at all the charts. We did everything. And the Club of Rome, amazing people still. They keep they keep republishing a, a mm-hmm. limits to growth. Oh, it's changed. We're going to do something else. <laughs> Jerry's numbers knocked it out of the park. And we thought that was an incredible message because he studied the economics of space, first one. Mm-hmm. He started writing about it. His numbers were spot on. And other people have dipped in and out of his work over the years. So, yes, we publish. And we're getting ready to republish a step farther out. An amazing work. You, you know what? Sorry, occurs- long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, sorry, it's great. Uh, but it occurs to me, you know, you, you talk about the, the benefits of what happens in space. And then you talked about a couple of prominent science fiction authors. And how many of the things that, that appeared in science fiction novels and in science fiction media and television and such uh, in years and years ago have now become things that we use every day. Uh, And I think about the the Star Trek communicator and the tablets that they carried around and all the, and it's something that we just use as, as a matter of course, and don't even think about it. Well, there you go. I mean, Neil Stevenson's diamond age, Mm -hmm. you know, the creator of the iPad and the Kindle, right? You know, I mean, it's, it's, well, that's just it. So a lot of people think science fiction is, uh, you know, it's all Star Wars and laser beams and that's fun. And it is great. You know, it's very enjoyable at the movie theater. But science fiction is the most subversive literature in human history because it posits different futures using technology and the impact of technology today and political science. And it's, yeah. it's amazing. Right. Very thought provoking. But also, I mean, there's an incredible group of futurists out there mm-hmm. and they're amazing people. And then there's this group of science fiction authors who make a very good living writing about the future and about technology. Mm-hmm. And you sit there like Sir Arthur Clarke, the inventor of satellite communications. Right. <laughs> you know, Joel hits the table, right? And you think, well, he's the guy who wrote these sci-fi books and who created a $420 billion a year satellite communications industry. Wow, right? And then you've got people like Dr. Purnell, Mr. Livin. You've got people like Stevenson and Gibson, cyberpunk, all the way through to cryptography and modern modern crypt, uh, crypto and Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It, it's astounding. It is the best research and development <laughs> we have for our industry, right? And so, and it's almost, and also I love it because it's the first time in human history where we can actually turn around and say, does li- you know, that perennial question, does life imitate art or does art imitate life? Mm-hmm. And we, for the first time around, we can say, actually, we can now prove life imitates art. Because those ideas that were postulated by Heinlein, well, like Jules Verne, my goodness, mm-hmm. the, to the earth and to the, to the yeah, I, I was going to say it in French. My, my apologies, my bad French. Uh, <laughs> right. So I was going from the earth to the moon. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that you would shoot a rocket and a capsule that would land in the sea and go to the moon. It would land off the coast. Of, I mean, it was for Verne, Wells, Conan Doyle, all the way through that. Clark, Asimov, Heinlein, Niven, Purnell, Neil Stevenson, Gibson, Scalzi. You can see this path, right? Right. And, you know, yeah, yeah, Maya and all the others. It's incredible. And they are like guidestones to us. The astronomers are the tip of the spear because they're looking at space, <laughs> looking at what's going on out there, right? And then you've got this, you know, and so you think, of, okay, those are the guys looking around and things, right? What do we do with this? Right. And you can sit down with an incredibly well-educated, very well-read person who makes an absolute fortune out of writing these things and say, so what would you do if you had this? And they go, oh, well, (laughs) but have you thought of this? And you go, oh my goodness gracious me, that's so clever. Let's write it down quick, you know. And so that's what we do. So that's why we turn to to Dr. Pornell and Mr. Niven, Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and others. Uh, Christopher Nuttall up in Edinburgh is amazing as well. And you've got uh, a whole host because they are some of the deepest thinkers that we have in our society. And they think about the future. Our business is the future. Yes, it is. Bit, right. And so <laughs> it's why, why aren't more people talking with them? They should be talking with these amazing authors because they have a lot to say. Most of it is incredibly smart. Some of it's very funny. And they take a long, hard look at us and think of things that we miss. And that's also the thing about these Institute of Space Commerce. It's to capture yeah. the stuff that no one else is thinking about, people should be thinking about, get conversations going, bring in uh, new people into the conversation from people who aren't from space and say, what do you think? What could we do better? You touched, help you? you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I want to go a little bit more in depth because the general public does have some awareness of the benefits of space technology. But mm-hmm. they think it's all taxpayer funded. NASA, Roscosmos, all of the, the government agencies. Is it important for them to truly understand that private capital is rapidly pouring into this space market? Well, you know, that's an excellent question. Because, it's, and, and I, I wish Michael, Dr. Michael Simpson was with us from, because our, who's our director, and Elias mm-hmm. uh, as well, our, our deputy director, and Mike Potter, uh, who's out. Uh, also one of our co-founders, because he's at Geeks Without Frontiers, because they're thinking about this all the time too. And, and, and it's very, why not? Because if it wasn't for the governments going up into space, mm-hmm. and if it wasn't for that military side and the civilian side and Sputnik and NASA and everything else, there wouldn't be those contractors who wouldn't be able to, it's like the, the, the tools to make the tools to make the tools. Right. Right. And then you've got the whole, the commercialization of space. Mm-hmm. And well, this morning, I mean, I, yeah, I, I saw your questions earlier and I thought, okay, let's think. From the moment my eyes opened this morning. I was using space, right? From my smartphone to getting my breakfast, just in time production to the delivery of everything, to the energy we're using, to how we measure, oh my gosh, right? right? We use space, all of us, all the time. And it's that, does the general public need, so is it what does the general public need to know? Mm-hmm. I know that sounds very X-Files, it doesn't right. need to be, right? <laughs> but right? I mean, should the general public support space? Yes, please. Talk right to your congressman, senator, your, your member of parliament and say, my goodness, more please. Mm-hmm. Because the more money that goes in from governments, the more jobs, again, that 100% spent down here, the more goes into the economies, more into research and development, new technologies, new boons, yes. But does the general population need to understand commercial space? That's, I, you know, I'm going to go controversial and say maybe not, because they use it. Right. Do they need to use it? Yes. Yes. If they want to know more about it, should they? Absolutely. If they want to invest in it by buying stocks and shares. Yes, of course. My goodness. One of the fastest growing markets in humanity Mm -hmm. that underpins all of these others that we take for granted. Yes. And and so, but those smart young people as recruits into our industry, Mm -hmm. absolutely yes. And that's why we need to publicize space commerce is to get to those young Marie Curie's, those young Einstein's, wherever they are in the world, and capture their imagination and pull them into our industry. So they don't just sit outside and look at the stars at night and go, I wish I could work up there. They can work up there. They just need to apply. (laughs) And and that's what we need to do because we're growing so much. So does that help answer that question? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But but it it begs another question because space was was a uh, priority for the Trump administration with Artemis and some of the things. Do you feel like space is going to get the same kind of attention from the Biden administration? Or are there going to be other priorities that they may think are, are higher? 
Well, no, well, thank you. Excellent question, right? Because it's like so far so good. Mm -hmm. I hope, right? Because for many years we had, you know, this this like swinging pendulum of one one they 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 chop chop and change programs, and that is terrible because it's it's like going full bore in one direction, slamming on the brakes, reversing, and going somewhere else. You never get anywhere. Right. Right. But for the first time, I think we're starting to see from the Biden administration, which is incredibly welcome, this continuance. It's interesting. I think it's one of the space is one of the very few bipartisan issues. Mm -hmm. It's one of the things that people can agree upon. It's good that we're doing this because I forget everything we're doing up there is to save all of us down here. Every problem we have down here from climate change to the economy to military and verification and treaties. I mean, I won't go on the list. It's huge. Can be solved by going up there and, and has been to date. This is just it. And I think people are starting, this, this new generation of politicians are starting to realize this. Uh, interesting, right? When the mm-hmm. G7 get to meet, uh, from what I understand, uh, from my old, my old government days, one of the first items on the agenda, if not the very first item on the agendas, when all of these world leaders meet, is space. Mm. And they go, why? Well, because A, it's not controversial. It's something they can all support, something they are all supporting, something they're all working together on. Mm-hmm. And it sets a baseline for their future discussions of everything else in those meetings, which might be slightly more contentious. It reminds the world leaders that, yes, we're in this together. As my wife, Nicole, says, we're, we're all earthlings and we're living on this one planet and we need to do something <laughs> to look after it. And or as Larry Niven, our patron at the Institute of Space Commerce, says, right, and it's a wonderful quote, and it's his quote is the dinosaurs became extinct mm-hmm. because they didn't have a space program. And right? <laughs> we do. We and do. it's up to us, right, to not become extinct. I think we're trying our hardest at the moment. But, and I think that, you, that from what I understand with the Biden administration, there is also an increased and additional increased focus on the environment, mm-hmm. which is fantastic because we only have one Earth. Right. I know we keep finding them around other stars, but we're not quite ready to go there yet. Hopefully so. <laughs> but the idea, right, I mean, Mars is beckoning, so is the moon. But still, it's all about protecting life down here. It's the only biosphere we have. Mm-hmm. And if that additional focus comes in, that's fantastic. They've said they're going to continue Artemis. Brilliant, please. Oh, my goodness, please. It's yeah. been 50 years. We have been, I would suggest, you know, we've been all suffering Moses syndrome. We've been the new, we're the new Israelites. We've been out in the wilderness for 40 odd years. Right. We need to get back to the promised land. And that is the moon and space, all those resources and energy. We can really help the human race. Oh, my goodness. One point nine trillion in uh, aid coming through the U.S. government. I mean, like 20 billion of that. We could have space based solar power and no more carbon in the atmosphere. Right. We could have colonies all throughout the solar, or settlements. Sorry. Settlements. Settlements. My old colonial past. <laughs> Coming out of me there. Settlements. I'm an American citizen now. We have settlements. Yes, we, we had a rebellion against colonization. That's quite right. <laughs> Be honest, right? Chris, we are almost out of time, but I want you to kind of look down the road about 10 years and tell me where you see space commerce in a decade. No, thank you. You know, in orbit, a lot more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I mean, I think space is going to be so ubiquitous down here from the flying taxis, drones, cars, the use of probably at that point six or seven g phones mm-hmm. and, and how much how much out. they're going to get from gps and to try and keep all those drones and unmanned vehicles from crashing to yeah absolutely <laughs> satellites the way to do it absolutely i mean 
doesn't matter, right? Weather patterns and everything else, you've got to control them via satellite, line of sight and all sorts of other good stuff. It is so ubiquitous. It'll come to a point where we can't, we already today cannot live in that space. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping within 10 years, we will have the first settlements on Mars. We will have the first settlements on the moon. We will have the first larger structures and private space stations in orbit. I know Axiom and others and Blue Origin are talking about that. Mr. Musk is amazing and going back to Mars, incredible mm -hmm. things. The moon, we're involved with a couple of things over there which are astounding. I'm hoping within 10 years, we're already radically addressing carbon in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. We've improved, there you go, we've changed the equation. <laughs> As Dr. Purnell would say, right? We have, we have avoided the Malthusian doom and we're using the energy and space, that energy and resources of space to improve and raise the standard of living of every man, woman, and child on this planet, like we already do today through space, but exponentially more. How about that? It's a great way to end. Thank you so much, Chris. We are out of time, but thank you for joining us on the Xterra podcast. No, well, thank you for having me, Tom. And thanks, everyone, for listening to my long answers to short questions. <laughs> We've been talking with Christopher Stott, the founder of the Institute of Space Commerce and founder, chairman, and former CEO of Fansat. That's going to do it for this edition of the Xterra podcast. Find us on the web at xterrajsc.com and be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter at xterrajsc. Until next time, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for listening.